we're going to go ahead to the hotline right now where we have Alex Greenfield joining us. Hello, Alex. Hey, Gary. How's it going, man? It's going great. How are you, Alex? I am fantastic. It's nice to, uh, to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. You know, Alex, this is our second week back. Um, we were around for about three years from 2007 to 2010, and we took a little three-year hiatus, and now we're back on the Mixed Radio Network. And, uh, you know, uh, a, lot, a lot of the writers, uh, including yourself, have gone on and done various interviews and whatnot, and I really like to hear what you have to say. So I said, you know what, we got to get Alex on the show. We had Andrew Goldstein on last week, and he nice. had a lot great. He had a lot of great things to say. And now we want to talk to you. And um, you know, one one of the things I guess we can start with. We were talking about this kid on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen this video. It's it's gone viral at this point. It's got a million and a half views of this kid, who uh, basically he's watching the the punk and rock finish, and yeah. he just goes ballistic he throws down oh, a 300 dollars oh, yeah. belt up his room yeah yeah court Miller, another of the uh the writers we all work together with andrew and i uh sent me the link to that it was just insane it was awesome <laughs> do you guys uh you know speaking to your time in wwe did you guys ever pay any attention to these kind of people on youtube there's a lot of youtube you know shooters they go out and they make 15 20 minute videos breaking things down meticulously some are more better put than others do you guys pay any mind to the stuff you know working in the wwe at all well bear in mind that i left in uh november 2006 okay youtube was just sort of coming up at that point ah. I remember it was at WWE, we were doing some shows in Sheffield, England, and we're in the writer's room uh, uh, in some kind of slow period. Right. And um, Brian Gewertz, uh, uh, who was the head writer of Raw at the time, mm-hmm. um, was watching the opening to Fraggle Rock on YouTube. <laughs> and it was the first time I'd ever seen or heard of, of YouTube. Oh, wow. But the point being, there is actually a point to the story that... Uh, right. Uh, it was so nascent that we were, at the time I left, really Court Bauer sort of spearheading, really having a knowledge of social media. Sure. Um, he uh, was just getting into the idea of using YouTube as a uh, uh, portal of WWE material right. at the point that I left. So watching it in a sort of receive mode definitely hadn't started yet. I see, I see. Now, well, actually... Um you know, around that time, I think a lot of the uh, you know the dirt sheet websites and, and so on and so forth. Did those play any kind of role? Did you guys play, pay any mind to those at all at that time? I mean, a few days. I, I mean, I'm an interesting case because I came in. I wouldn't say as as sort of a 100 percent like a childlike Mark. Like I didn't believe it was actual competition. You right. Know? Um, but uh, when I came in, I was uh, uh, pretty much a a on TV sort of, I knew what the storylines were. I was aware of the existence of dirt sheets, but I right. hadn't really been a dirt sheet guy. I see. Um, not, not for any reason. It was just, I hadn't really been exposed to the internet wrestling, uh, universe, you know? Sure. And, um, so when I got there, I actually discovered the, the observer in the writer's room at WWE. And actually, even before I got there, court was kind of, uh, my go-to contact is the guy who I talked to, like, figuring out, you know, I got sent, like, the roster and didn't know who this guy or that guy was, and he brought me up to speed. Ah. But uh, he actually had me looking at some of the dirt sheet websites from back in that period before I got there, so that was my first exposure to the dirt sheets. They do, among the writers, uh, um, there is 
everybody reads the dirt sheets and often they're bitched about, you know, you know, a show gets a bad review or whatever. Right. Uh, and you're like, oh, this guy doesn't fucking know what he's talking about. But then when you <laughs> do something really good and the dirt sheets rave about it, all of a sudden at that point, the dirt sheets are awesome. <laughs> but in terms of the upper yeah. echelon, I mean, I think Vince mentioned the dirt sheets maybe five or ten times and only in instances where, like, some specific thing, Matt Hardy coming back, would leak in advance. Right. And then Vince was, God damn it, pal, you know, uh, <laughs> not very pleased. Right. But uh, on the whole, it wasn't really used as, I'd say, a creative tool. I see, I see. So you, okay, so let's let's backtrack just a little bit. You said you got out around 2006. When did you start with the company? Uh, I started in May of 2005, so okay. there, uh, about a year and a half. Okay, okay, so 2005. I'm just trying to think about that time frame and trying to figure out what exactly we could blame you for. Do you have any really bad ones that we could throw <laughs> uh, on your you plate? You blame me for a, a great deal. I mean, <laughs> blame, I'll actually, I'll actually take credit on, uh, I was a big part of the, the Mickey James, uh, Trish Stratus angle. Right. Uh, it was sort of one of the first things uh, uh, I worked on. Um, I played a pretty big role when I first started with the company in the whole Eddie Ray Dominic story. So you can blame me for a lot of the terrible things there. (laughs) I was at that SummerSlam where uh, it was in D.C. I was there front row just behind uh, Michael Cole and Taz. I'm on the DVD with with the bell over my shoulder, the Hulkamania shirt, like a mark. That's awesome, man. No, the uh, uh, yeah that uh, that uh, that was that was what we fondly referred to as the Dominic on the pole match, right? Wasn't that the ladder match? Or was <laughs> that, that was the that was the ladder match. It had the briefcase for the uh, for the custody papers, right? For the custody, I know. Which we again <laughs> inside we called that the Dominic on a pole match because it was really funny. Oh man, you guys should have just came out and called it that. I think uh, I know, you guys really got... I know, no kidding. I mean, even in the room, even Vince, everybody was like, "All right, goddamn, the Dominic on the pole match." <laughs> you know, think about it like this way. I mean, you had Hogan uh, and Shawn Michaels in the main event. I almost think that if you said, all right, we got we got Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, icon versus the legend, and then here in the undercar, we've got the Dominic. Uh, we're going to put a child on a pole, and, and Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio are going to fight for these guys, right? I mean, I, I think I, I think that would have gotten over strong. <laughs> you, I think. What parent wouldn't want their child watching that? <laughs> He's sitting there in his cute There's little... A, I, I believe I was at the end of still uh, TVPG. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, It may have started early. Poor little kid up there with his little cute little polo on. He's just hanging by a, you know, by a string. And they're fighting. They're trying to pull this child down. Pull him down from up there, Eddie. You do the spot like when two guys are on either side of the ladder and they're hanging there, only they're both hanging off the kid. I love it. I, love I do, it. too. I, I think uh, uh, one of the listeners should definitely write this up and just pitch it to WWE. I think I think they'll love it. Hey, that's great for their for their PG mentality now. I mean, oh, of course. You want to make it about the kids. What better way than to do what that? What better way, exactly. <laughs> you know what? That's funny. That pay-per-view, I remember it extremely fondly do you have any memories about uh what it was like that day you know i mean i, I would imagine there was a big vibe going on hulk hogan Shawn michaels you know yeah, what are your memories of that day main memory of that show uh is uh is frankly an angle that i had nothing to do with all the all the hogan sean build-up stuff was produced by i think the word dave lagana right but um evil, evil brian um, gewertz right tension, e- evil brian gewertz <laughs> and dave lagana and mostly ultimately when we got on the day vince Right, like they were, 
they were heads together, the three of them back and forth. There was a whole lot of tension backstage because Hogan going over uh, uh, was apparently a surprise finish, at least Ooh. from Sean's perspective. <laughs> That would be a surprise if you, if you no, thought. There was a lot of negotiating and yelling back and forth. And frankly, you know, I'm one of those guys, uh, uh, and there's a divergence of opinion. There are plenty of fans out there who believe that Hogan had had what Sean gave him coming. But I found the overselling in that match just to be the most everything, uh, everything that you don't, that or at least that I don't like about Shawn Michaels, right. all boiled down into one performance. It just... <laughs> You know, selling punches like he'd been shot. You know? <laughs> it, just, it just, just the worst, worst stuff. And the sell on the leg drop. And and uh, again, I understand the counter arguments, but boy, it seemed prickish to me. Yeah, I I remember back then. I I didn't pay a whole lot of mind to the internet at that point, and I'm just like, God mm-hmm. damn, Hogan's really giving it to him. Jeez, he's throwing them all around, slamming. Them. This is great. I, you know, at the time, I'm a big Hogan mark and. I, I want to say this is the first time I had ever seen Hulk Hogan live, and what better way than to be front row? And I mean, I remember overdrafting my bank account to buy a replica belt so I could be on TV. It's crazy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and now here I am. There's, just on there's the... a fine. Fortunately, we are not on a financial advice show, so that, you <laughs> yes. know that we've got that going for us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so okay. So let, let's see what we got here. Um, Oh, this is what I want. I wanted to ask you about this. I want to get this right out there. I think I heard you in another interview. Um, I want to say maybe it was the torch. Did you? Did you almost get into a fight with Vince McMahon? I, I have to ask you about this. <laughs> it was uh, uh, Vince certainly wanted to knock the crap out of me. I, I can't say. Uh, uh, you, you know, I'm five nine, about 170 pounds at that point. Right. I'm not saying it would have been a fight exactly. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, Vince and I got into, and it was a stupid fight. I mean, it's not even worth repeating on the air. Okay. Uh, it's a funny backstage production issue about a camera shot is what the fight was about. Like, it was that sort of, not even inside baseball in terms of wrestling, but just in terms of, of basic productions and technique. Right. And we got into this shouting match, which was not unusual for us. Like, uh, Vince, Vince loves confrontation, and he'd had, um, a lot of times the writers will just uh, uh, will not be confrontational, and I tend to hold pretty strongly to my ideas. Right. So anyway, he ends up after after the shot gets done, he's like, "You come outside with me right now." <laughs> and uh, we get outside, and it's funny because we're standing in this alcove that seems private, but if you turn a forty five degree angle, there are like fans on the other <laughs> side of a fence. I don't know twenty five. Yeah. Not even 15 yards away from us. Right, they're waiting for their autographs. That's what they're waiting for. Yeah, 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 waiting for autographs, (laughs) watching, you know, Vince McMahon screaming at this this dude who's shouting right back at him. But ultimately, like, the fistfight point is, is like, he's turned purple uh, as we're standing there just screaming back and forth. And he's like, God damn it, Alex. I wish you were six foot seven. The implication <laughs> clearly being, well, if I was a bigger man, he'd just beat the crap out of me. Right. But because I'm small, he doesn't want to bully me, which is, of course, ironic in every possible way. Well, this was before their anti-bullying campaign, I think, so he probably <laughs> could have got away enough, with it, right? He turned over a new leaf since then. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, hearing stuff like this, I mean, is, is this the kind of guy that he is day to day? I mean, what? Tell us about, you know, Vince McMahon, the guy, the, the person that you were around personally. Tell us a little bit about Vince. Oh, God. He's, he's 
the most mercurial uh, personality that I've ever run across, you know, in this, in the business in one way or another since 98. God, I'm old. Um, but uh, Vince is, I mean, he's a micromanager in the worst possible way and, okay. and a guy who's not good at remembering details. Oh, uh, yes. He is absolutely inconsistent uh, all the time in, in what he likes and what he expects in, in every possible way. Um, he is also an absolute genius with weird, almost X-Men level mutant abilities. Like you give him a story and we can talk for a, lo a long time about how this is never actually executed, but he can turn his head and think for a minute and see it 16, 18, 24 weeks out, week by week and just get it. The problem is uh, 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 he doesn't stick with it once he makes those decisions. So it was a, uh, it's a pretty, you know, he's a high pressure guy. Uh, why he's a billionaire? But uh, we did not get along. Um, though weirdly, we respected each other. I think uh, uh, a good deal. I mean, he doesn't have screaming fights. He just fires people, and he kept me around. But. Um, I have sort of a love-hate thing with Vince. I think a lot of times he treats people like crap, right. and I'm not even necessarily referring to me. I, I think uh, CM Punk's promo the other week where he called him a, uh, a flesh peddler is not too far <laughs> off the base. Right. But uh, uh, he's, he's an interesting character. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Court Bauer and I one time, uh, we saw There'll Be Blood, the Daniel Day-Lewis movie, right. and that character, Daniel Plainview, uh, if anybody wants some insight into the kind of man Vince McMahon is, go watch There Will Be Blood, because just in terms of sheer character, uh, Daniel Plainview is the 19th century oil man version of Vince McMahon. <laughs> My God. That, that, that is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Is it true that there, that there are some of these un, unwritten rules about Vince, like you know, flying on the plane or being in a, in a production meeting? Tell us a little bit about some of those, the unwritten rules. Uh, you know, you know, it's an interesting thing. I've gotten, I've gotten this question a few times. Right. And the funny thing is, there, there are unwritten rules that I was told. You know, even just walking in the door, like, you know, for the first, you gotta let Vince get used to you. I'm doing a bad, bad Stephanie voice. You gotta <laughs> let Vince get used to you. You don't want to speak up too much in meetings. And I just, I, I'm sure this will come as a stunning surprise after the conversation so far. Right. But uh, I, um, I had tend to have an out front sort of personality and had no intention of waiting for three weeks to, to, <laughs> to sit and listen and be a good boy until Vince recognized me. When I had an idea, I mentioned it. And, uh, and he was, you know, uh, well, largely okay with that. He responded to it. I, mean, I became a head writer pretty, you know, quickly. Right. But um, it, it, give me the question again. I'm sorry, I trailed off down the light. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> no, no problem at all. Yeah, I was just uh, kind of, you know, if you could speak to some of these unwritten rules. Uh, oh, oh, yes. oh, well, oh, one of them, most of the unwritten rules aren't true. Like Vince on the plane, and remember, all of this information is old, and I've heard he's gotten much, much quirkier Ooh. You know, recently. But, but uh, uh, you wait for him a lot because nothing in the world starts before Vince gets there, so he would hold planes on the runway forever and, you know, that kind of thing. Why the hell not? Uh, I'm, I'm like, unwritten rules. Um, there's, I, they may actually be written somewhere, but writer's <laughs> assistants, he always wants four Diet Pepsis. He never drinks all of them. Four Diet Pepsis, four Diet Dr. Peppers. Two glasses filled with ice and one empty cup to dump the water from the ice into. 
Um, he always wants Purell around and wants everybody to have Purell. But, I mean, these are just sort of, they're not unwritten rules so much as just weird old man billionaire quirks. <laughs> oh, and if you should ever fall asleep on the WWE plane, right. be mindful that Vince will wake up and try to throw almonds into your mouth, usually hitting you in the eyeball. Wow. Now, that's that's incredible. I, I would not make for a great employee at all because I have trouble with uh, with dozing off from time to time. And I get uh, enough sleep, surprisingly so. So I can oh, imagine. Yeah. No, no. He, he will sleep on the plane, too. Believe me. Right. But if he should be awake while you are asleep on the plane, yeah, buddy, you're, you're, you're screwed. So you almost got to sleep with, like, one eye open and kind of just look over and see, like, damn, is he sleeping? Hmm. See if I can oh, sneak Ted DiBiase once uh, wore shades on the plane when he went to sleep. <laughs> so the Vince <laughs> didn't tell whether he was asleep or awake. That's pretty smart, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know? And then, of course, wormy little Kevin Dunn will, will try to get in on the action. And, and frequently, like, I yelled at him one time. I'm like, God damn it, Carol. You know, uh, wow, what a sycophant. Oh man, yeah, Kevin Dunn. Let, let's talk a little bit about this guy because I hear I you know a lot of people they talk on the internet about him and you know I guess his his influence. He he has quite a bit of influence in that company, huh? Uh, I, I I think for all intents and purposes, he's sort of Vince's right hand man at this point. Right. Uh, uh, if Kevin Dunn's in an argument with you, no matter no matter whether his position is objectively right or wrong, and Vince is given the choice of your position, whoever you are, and that concludes big talent. And Kevin Dunn, eight out of ten times he's going to go with what uh, what Kevin Dunn says. And the problem with that is only that Kevin Dunn uh, is very very often wrong and is so calcified. I mean, it's one of the reasons there may have been some set there may be set changes and uh, occasional color things, but Raw today looks like Raw in uh, uh, 2002. Like there right. hasn't been a fundamental shift in the aesthetics of WWE in a long time. Right. And I think. When your business is losing, over the long track of time, when your business is losing the level of audience that they lose, that just seems like foolhardy decision-making. Well, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that it hasn't really changed. I mean, <clears throat> back when I was doing the show, this, this very show right here, uh, years ago, I, I would always commonly say it really just seems like they have a template and they just kind of, you know, change the players here and there occasionally. And it's just the same template every week. I mean, is, does that hold pretty true to your, you know, from what it, you've seen? It does. I mean, certainly, like, the, literally the, the, the title of the episode the first week I took over uh, as head writer was right. Control-Alt-Delete, you know, re, a hard reset. Right. Um, and the idea was, like, I wanted to bust up and change everything. But the level of resistance to that, especially from Kevin Dunn and the production people, is... Uh, for me, anyway, it was insurmountable. Um, they don't want to change the show. They, 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 they have an eight, if it ain't broke, don't fix it attitude. And even at that point, before the most significant of the audience losses, I felt like, uh, you know, I mean, it was my job. I wanted sure. to pitch and create the show that I wanted to watch. I think that's what a writer's responsibility is to try and do. Yeah. And, um, I I never felt that 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 department, the production department, really had that same sort of goal. I felt like they wanted the easiest job possible, and that is, you know, same three, same six camera setup, one jib, it, the same way every show looks the same. Though you know they're doing 
not entirely successfully, but they're trying new things now, like the way they do the camera shaking, which I think is a little overdone, but when the <laughs> shield comes out. Yeah. And some of their interesting um, changes of the format that they've tried recently. But yeah. uh, I don't know. You know, the Royal Rumble was, I think, a really fine show, but it sort of felt like the end of the uh, – the kind of experimentation they've been doing since since the, C, the CM Punk promo, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but I hope that's not the case because, you know, again, you know, I think Ambrose is is the next big money star. I th- you know, they're elevating properly. Maybe, maybe, maybe it doesn't degenerate down to, okay, here's Cena at the top of the card. <laughs> you yeah. know. A lot, a lot of people are, are, not, uh, are not too thrilled with that. I mean, I, I get... Uh, at mentions on the Twitter all the time about that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I saw a guy, um, I'm I'll, here. I'll reference him again. Uh, a guy I was talking about at the top of the show that he had, he has a petition, if you will, that, that says, uh, you know, we don't want to see, uh, John Cena versus the rock part two. We don't want to see it. He's got about 60 <laughs> signatures, but he says there are tens of millions of people that are, that are out, outcry. I mean, you would think that if this was true, that people would be, uh, going crazy online i don't i don't i don't sense oh, that hey, i think i think it's over <laughs> look i i i was i was on about this with uh uh with uh jason or, or with uh, uh law radio just the other day okay they had court bauer and i on the the problem is yeah i would have loved some more complicated storytelling and keeping it on punk and getting to elimination chamber and actually giving that significance instead of making it the most afterthought pay-per-view of the year <laughs> and like there there were a lot of things i would have liked to have seen done but from a purely business perspective uh we in in the internet universe who are who are all rah rah cm punk and who can come up with some really good scenarios for why that would have been a better idea sure i think in terms of business we're absolutely completely freaking wrong right and i i strongly feel like this could be the biggest wrestlemania of all time it could be like i, I think it's a pretty stacked card i think what lesnar and rock bring a whole subset of viewers who would not normally buy the pay-per-view Right. Um, I think everybody who is going to buy, it, I, I, I guess here's the bottom line. I feel like all of us who are like, I wish CM Punk had, you know, day 435 or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. Um, I feel like all of us are absolutely the people who are sure to buy the pay-per-view anyway. Of course. So we're doing what fans do and what I have a lot of fun doing on Twitter and, and on interviews and everything. We're... Uh, we're bitching about the shit we would like to see done better. Yeah, exactly. Twitter is it's it's incredible because now you have this this platform to to speak your mind, and, yeah. and you can get it out there, and 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 people can read. You throw in the the at WWE and the hashtag Raw, and next thing you know, you've got a bunch of at mentions of people you know throwing things back at you. It's crazy. No, no, no. I I I am absolutely. Uh, I've almost forsaken my Facebook. Like, you know, now that picture uploading on Twitter is so, you know, one click easy. Yep. Uh, uh, I, I hardly ever use Facebook because I just love, like, you know, Monday nights are more fun and certainly some bad Ross. Yes. Really bad Ross <laughs> have been a hell of a lot more fun because you just become, you know, like uh, the two old guys on the Muppets. The entire <laughs> Internet is just ripping the show to pieces, and it's the funnest thing in the world. And the coolest thing is... There's always somebody with a with a contrary opinion who can tell you why something you hate is good or vice versa, you know. Yeah. Um, and I love I love the back and forth. I think it's great. It, it, it's a lot of fun. And I wanted to ask you. You mentioned uh, Brock Lesnar a couple of sentences ago, and you know what? Uh, 
I I loved his match with uh, with John Cena. I really did. And yeah. uh, you know, him and Triple H was eh, I, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't it didn't blow me away no. like like Cena and Lesnar did, and much like uh, CM Punk and and The Rock did. I, I thought that those two matches, uh, CM Punk and The Rock and John Cena Lesnar, while they were you know very different, I thought in in terms of uh, you know the it factor and and the uh, that 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 whole just excitement of like oh my god what's going to happen, I thought they both shared that moment, and and I wanted to ask you about Lesnar because it seems like. You know, he came in and he took that loss right away. And I just don't know that, you know, that that was right necessarily. And then he went in and he beat Triple H. But now the whole thing is we just know that, all right, well, he's going to fight Triple H at Mania again. Yeah. And he's going to lose. Uh, of course he is. Because so, he, he hurt the, the, the Oz the Great and Terrible in this. <laughs> exactly. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on the Lesnar run up until now. And do you think that there was some damage done? Or do you think, and add on to that, do you think that they can do some, some fixing with it and, and, and bring him back strong? Uh, uh, yes, there's something I, you know, I'm, uh, again, I, I feel like I'm parroting the, uh, the internet universe because almost everybody agrees. Lesnar losing that first match was just, it was a terrible decision all the way around. Yeah. I think the, the reasoning behind it was as much business as it was creative. I think it was, this guy can be a flake. He could disappear tomorrow. Uh, let's get this one big thing out of him, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that was a stupid decision. I think it was stupid to, to, uh, I I think that first night was absolutely glorious. And if he'd have won that first match, just bruising Cena down, um, he would be the unstoppable. He, he would add another 150,000 buys to what I already think is going to be a 1.35 million show WrestleMania. Um, can they rehabilitate him? Yeah, absolutely. But it will never be as strong as the Great White Shark has been unchallenged since he, he you know, emerged from UFC. I, I have a theory, uh, Alex, that a, a reason why Cena went over Lesnar last year, and I think it's pretty simple. Uh, the writers and Vince, maybe they knew that, you know, the next night on Raw, if Cena lost, he was going to go out and smirk everyone to death and, and just not really care about the loss, I, I and you know that that goes to my biggest problem. I don't have a problem with John Cena at the top. Fine, you know it's a kids era. He's like the Hulk Hogan. That that's fine with me. The issue is is the way that when in the rare instance where he does lose, he just acts like he does not care, and it drives me ballistic, Alex. Let me no, tell no, you. No, I agree, and, and one of the things, and I'm actually warming to Cena more than I have in, in re- really a long time, and again, right. uh, let me let me separate. I'm, t- I'm talking about John Cena, the character, because the guy is, in fact, really good people. Yeah. Um, I just, I find the character incredibly stale, largely because of that. The same lame comic routines, the same, you know, all, uh, same, same, same. Yeah. I'm really liking what he's doing right now. I'm liking the way – I wish they'd have done it all year last year and had him care about the losses. Yeah. But uh, I really like the fact that he's he's now got this powerful story – or powerful-ish you know, in wrestling terms – story sure. of coming back from the worst year of his career. Right. And, and that's something I can get behind. I, I, I've liked his uh, – I feel like I've liked his last couple of pro- – no, no, he started one with the goofy comedy, but, but – yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he always has the goofy comedy. And I guess that sells with kids. And uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, everybody inside at the time thought Batista was going to be the guy because there was sort of this choice being made. And then Dave got hurt. 
Right. Um, and uh, I, I can only imagine what a different universe it would be if Dave hadn't gotten hurt and that next WrestleMania, instead of saying, we're going with Cena, uh, no. and he's held to it to his credit for a long time, if Vince had said, we're going with Batista. Well, you know what? When, when Cena made that transition to Raw, and this is around the time you were in there, um, you know, I, I just don't recall him making a lot of these just over-the-top, silly, goofy jokes. I mean, he, you know, he, uh, he cracked jokes. I think jokes. your memory might be skewed because that sure? stuff got pretty long in tooth by the time they stopped doing it really <laughs> regularly. Like, I remember, you know, I was on that when uh, uh, he and Jericho right. program, when they did the rap versus rock freaking thing. Right. That was that was some painful shit, man. <laughs> may, 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 maybe it's just because I didn't hate him at the time, and I, yeah, I don't hate no, him now. Fair but... enough. <laughs> I, maybe I just don't, re, you know, recall it so well. But you know, I, I man, I looked at some of his stuff when he first came in, and it's hard to compare the character now to when he debuted in '02 or whatever. But he had a match sure. with Jericho. It's on the classics on demand, and you know, he, he sold pretty well, and he just looked like it was just like a completely different guy. You know, he's he's not. Running down the running down the aisle, pandering to the military and all this kind of stuff, and that that stuff bothers me as well. I mean, I know people that are you know in the military that say, oh, you know, he, he thinks he's one of us, and you know, I just I don't get all of that. There's many things yeah. about him that bother me, and I think that if he cut some of that stuff out, I think less people would hate him, and I think that he would be on top of the world, and everybody would just love him to death. You know what I mean? I feel like people would be into him if he just cut out some of this stuff. Yeah, I, I and I think in those moments when he does, right. uh, fans tend to respond more favorably to him. And with the right antagonist, uh, the Cena character, even as it is, were like I remember, you know, Edge was such a good heel for him oh, that yeah. uh, uh, there wasn't as much. Let's go, Cena. Cena sucks. You no, know? um, and I thought the chemistry he had with Punk when Punk was also a nominal babyface was perfect. I mean, this was your Batman and Superman program, and uh, I still think there's money in it, and think they're probably. I think that's probably the program next summer, right? It's, yeah. it's a return to Cena Punk with Punk being a full heel. Um, I, I think that's the most likely scenario, anyway. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I, I think no, they no, work no, well together. I, I think I think there's plenty of money on the table there, and uh, uh, that would be that would be good for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Let me. So, let me yeah, I, 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 I like it. Cena has the age and the years in the business to have some gravitas now, and sure. uh, going back to the kid routine, I think hurts the character. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, w- I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, the Rock with the title. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a good move. A lot of people would disagree with me. You know, what's your take on it? Do you have any? Uh, any hatred toward towards it or no, any no, objection? No. I, I don't have any hatred at all. Uh, I, I think I think in essence this is sort of the Rock's last run story. Yeah, I think he's going to bring a lot of eyeballs and a lot of buys, and and I think the well he didn't earn his spot argument is is flawed. We're talking here about a fake sport, uh, uh, not a real competition. There is there is no spot, and if you want to talk about a spot earned at the top. Here's a guy who went from being a professional wrestler to being a $10 million movie actor and maybe maybe the biggest kids' action star uh, uh, since, since Schwarzenegger, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, um, he, he's, earned, he's put the asses in the seats to be in the spot he's in. 
and a couple of months final run with the title leading to uh, yet another scene coronation or whoever whoever the other person would be. I, I don't see any problem with that. You get a great goodbye for The Rock and uh, everybody goes home happy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it as, as long as he or even Cena himself maybe – you think they've sold enough of those spinner belts yet? They'll be ready to get rid of it oh by God, WrestleMania. I, wish, I, I so wish they would get rid of it. Oh my God! Uh, it's, Everybody hated it at the time when it was first introduced. We were all like, "Seriously?" And then the hilarious thing, of course, it's bolted now. It doesn't actually spin because right. the W always turned the wrong way around. Yes, it was. It was always spinning around. And the thing about it is, it's like you know, uh, Stone Cold had a custom belt. You didn't see people carrying around that belt for two or three years after he was champion. The, the problem I have with it, it's like when Punk was carrying it around now with the rock yeah when when punk when any other champion who's not seen is carrying that goddamn belt it just <laughs> it undercuts the fiction and, and it looks like they're holding cena's they're keeping it warm for me now sometimes you say i'm yeah. holding the seat i'm keeping your seat warm they're keeping cena's belt warm for him even triple h i thought triple h of all people would of say all people would go to a different belt oh. i know i know it's it's uh it's just strictly silly Let, let's talk about triple h you know this guy gets Quite a verbal beating on the internet, man. Is is that does he deserve all that? What's what's oh, Triple yeah, H? It's absolutely warranted in every he does. possible way. Yeah. <laughs> all right, tell no, me no, about no. it. No, he de- he deserves in every bit of the beating he gets. Tell me, tell me, tell me a little bit about Triple H. <laughs> no, I think I think he's uh, uh, the the much ballyhooed Triple H creative mind. Uh, uh, I never saw that the whole time I was there. Right. I mean, he spent creative meetings eating pasta and uh, 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 not even eating pasta, eating a little sliver of uh, of pasta and two beef patties. <laughs> like that's what he <laughs> did in creative meetings. Um, <laughs> I, I I just I and I know. Look, it sounds like he's delegating at least pretty well right. uh, uh, from the reports I've heard from inside. Uh-huh. But he's he's he is the picture of failing up. Like <laughs> just I, I don't get it. And look, I, I I respect him a great deal as an in-ring performer. Right, but. God, he's a pain to work with because every joke he tells is the funniest joke you've ever heard, only they're not funny. And every <laughs> great twist to a story he tells, oh, that's some shit, so let's do it this way, is just terrible and illogical and does things like, wow, the Spirit Squad were pretty hot. Let's just completely sacrifice all of them. <laughs> well, the tag team division, he did, he did the same thing with the tag division. Him and Sean would just uh, bulldoze mm-hmm. over everyone. Trevor... Uh, Murdoch and all those I can't even think of all their names now, but uh, you know, Lance Cade, Trevor Murdoch, all these guys, they would just yep. roll over these guys. It's hilarious. Crazy. Yeah, it, it was just brutal. <laughs> and remember Lance and Trevor, we thought we they were brought in because we saw money in it. I mean yeah. all of them, Deuce and Domino and like that yeah. whole crew of tag teams, M and M that we had at that point. Um, that was to rebuild and make tag team the tag teams matter and that's what Vince said he wanted. And then they become just grist for the uh, the babyface mill. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta run them right through. You gotta get let Cena get his spots on them. Let's get yep. DX in there. We gotta sell a couple DX shirts. God damn it, you know, and just get them over there and, yep. and just destroy them. Unreal, you know. And that's the thing. So you guys in the writers, you spend all this time trying to come up with stories for these guys. And then what's that like just to see them just get demolished? You put in all these long uh, hours. I mean, it's a bummer, but the thing to think about is sometimes uh, they pay off better than you ever expected. Like, uh, uh, Booker was really my champion during my run as as head writer at SmackDown. Oh, okay, and yeah. 
we loved working on uh, uh, Ray first, and then and then Booker for my run. Right. Um, and and man, once we had Booker, and we sort of disco- all discovered that character together—the King Booker and the terrible British accent, <laughs> and and the King's Court with Finley and Regal always fighting each other in the background, and all of that stuff. Right. Um, we had only the most general idea of what what Booker's run was going to look like, um, and he and and he and Charmel really turned it into something that I'm incredibly proud of. It's one of it's one of my favorite things I've worked on. And I know, you know, I know plenty of people don't like it or feel like it was too silly or whatever. Right. But dude, I'll tell you, man, that night we had them force Bobby Lashley to kiss Booker's boots and God, I wish we could have paid all of that off. We had a real long term story planned. Oh um, man. Bob Bobby, um, we used was, to get him on the show. Hot. That audience hated him so much you could feel it. I was out in the crowd, man, and it was awesome. Would, would you go out into the crowd often and just kind of gauge what people are, you know, how they're reacting? Is that something regular for you? As I could. Once I became head writer, it was uh, it was more difficult to do because in addition, I mean, you're, you're, you're what amounts to a supervising producer. Right. So you're you're running around backstage the entire time, you know. Right. Um, but even even there, I would get out every, every chance I could, try and get out. Uh, uh, and that's what was fun about going to house shows. We didn't have any responsibility. That's all we did. Right, watch um, and see what the, the reaction, what, what the crowd was buying into, and what they weren't. But right. um, you can't go to those very often. So yeah, I try and slip out into the crowd, probably average to every other show. Okay, yeah, at least for a segment or two, you know. Was uh, what, what did did Vince kind of more just take what you guys were saying, you know, producers and so on and so forth? Or what, did he was he actually you know listening? I mean, did they have like something mic'd in Gorilla where you could hear like the crowd's reaction or? Did he just take oh, yeah. your I word mean, for it? You definitely have a crowd mic, but you can't really get. I, I, for me, anyway, I got a much better sense being out in the crowd, sure, um, and just part of them of what was electric and what wasn't. Right, like they're so well trained that even a you know a, a not at all over mid card babyface, those first strains of Joe, you know, of of the music hitting. Um, the crowd will pop for it. So just knowing when they pop doesn't really tell the story. Sometimes right. in a match, they can be so quiet that you know it's dying on the vine. Right. Um, but I think you got to be out there to feel the energy of the room. I see. I see. Good. Good point. Um, you know, we're we're, get, we're getting close to the top of the hour. I'm, I'm about to lose my uh, my airtime here in a couple of minutes. But I wanted to ask you uh, uh, real quick uh, about Stephanie. What she's one that we haven't really covered a whole lot. In this interview, what, what's she all about? What's her story? What, what's she like? I'm going to be talking to you exactly the opposite of what I bet Andrew did if you asked him that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Stephanie a lot. I, uh, it's sort of the opposite uh, uh, of, of Triple H. Right. I think she's incredibly smart. She's a brilliant, just straight-up brilliant creative mind. I, want, I once asked her, uh, like, if your last name wasn't McMahon, you know, growing up, um, what – do you do you think this is the world you could have gone into? Because she could have gone into any creative field and been sure. a pretty high-powered executive. Um, and she said wrestling like a good girl, but I don't believe it. I think I think she would have done great <laughs> in Hollywood and TV, whatever. Right. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about her. She was always very straight up with me. I understand problems people have with her because she does play favorites. I just happen to be the guy who was the favorite. Well, there you go. See, you got you got on her good side. You're in good company with her. All, all is well, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Very good, very good. No, I mean, I'll tell you, the combination of she and Eddie Guerrero, uh, uh, who I was friends with, uh, you know, in the last few months before he passed, and who basically told Vince, this guy's got something. Right. Like, they're the reasons I had whatever success I did in the company, for sure, because it, it, clearly, it clearly wasn't my uh, uh, repository of, of uh, professional wrestling knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, very good. Well, you know, look, Alex, like I said, we're getting to the top of the hour. I want, I want to thank you for coming on. I hope maybe let's try to do something around WrestleMania if you're free. I'd love to get you on and, to, man. and talk about WrestleMania. We can get a little more long form, hopefully. I, I'm looking to maybe push for some more airtime uh, here in the coming months as we're getting to WrestleMania. And, and uh, I'd love to go a little more long form with you if, you, if you've got the time. And uh, we'll stay in touch on Twitter and, and talk about it. Plug your Twitter uh, plug anything you got going on. Let's let's get the oh, fans oh, to your... Uh, uh, thanks, and yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, and uh, uh, it was fun shooting the breeze. Um, Twitter's Alex, at Alex D. Greenfield, and uh, my... I don't really have anything to plug. I'm working on a movie for the Sci-Fi Channel and a family comedy movie of the week for the Hallmark Channel. Okay. And uh, neither of them are going to be going into production for another couple of months. Plug them in a year. Plug them in a year. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe when, when we have you back on in, in a couple of months, uh, you'll have some, you can share some story. Because we're actually not just wrestling. We, we, we try to talk about a little bit of everything, but right now we're in WrestleMania season, so we're definitely talking a lot more sure, wrestling. Sure. But yeah, I'd love to, next time you're on, you can tell us, maybe we'll get a little more in depth about some of the other stuff you're into. You bet, man. Hey, thanks a lot, Alex. I really appreciate it. You bet, Gary. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, pal.